On today's episode of Octal FM, Gelada and I discuss YouTube monetization, how their policies affect user-created content, and how viewers are helping to shape what gets made with their patronage. Hello and welcome to another episode of Voxel FM. I'm Sefran. And I'm Gelada. And today we wanted to discuss uh, a subject which we haven't really touched on before, which is like online video creation, or mm. but rather online video content specifically. Mm. We wanted to discuss sort of like the, the YouTube model and how that's affecting mid-tier size creators and what's caused what's been caused as a result of that as well yeah and and i think that it may seem like a kind of a little bit of a weird thing for us to talk about in a way like you're sort of like we normally talk about video games and stuff but like you say it's it's something that is increasingly becoming a large part of you know our lives as users of the internet and consumers Mm. of content right like and we're you know as video has become a much larger and larger medium with the advent of you know faster internet classic uh oxal yeah, fm, Oxal-FM um, yeah. you know topic um you know it's content creation has become more sort of democratized and a little bit more open because it's no longer about tv and and you know film and stuff like that you've not necessarily got big companies controlling everything and now actually mm. you've got these platforms like youtube and social media and stuff like that which let anyone you know have a voice so to speak and that then just increases the amount of content and different types of content that you can consume and that's a really good thing because it means that more and more content can be created at the desire of what people want to watch and it's nice because Although we're, and we're going to go into sort of like how that makes money, because that's such a key aspect of anything, isn't it? But it means that rather than being forced to watch content that they, you think board directors are going to want you to watch, it's a case of what I want to watch. And then they advertise on top of that. We did want to talk about YouTube, though, because it is the primary video platform of the Internet. It's like the second most visited website on the entire Internet. You know, it has what what's the number like 1.8 billion views a day or something similar yeah something crazy um, it, it's absolutely mind-boggling these numbers so although there are lots of other hosting websites where you know, video creators go to make their content that you can watch the numbers just aren't comparable to youtube which is why we chose to talk about that really isn't it yeah and it's interesting because youtube has been around for a very long time like 2004 or 2005 maybe like super yeah. super early days um back then it was a internet startup essentially it was in those very early days of video on the internet and so you know people were just like hosting video themselves on their own websites or something like that there wasn't kind of like a centralized location to go for video content Mm. so any creation you did have independent content creation then i mean you know we've talked about pure ownage before the internet um, tv show about a gamer you know that's sort of basically pre-youtube days or like so very early on in youtube's days that it wasn't somewhere that you would go and find something like an internet tv show like pure ownage you would have to find out about it and they would have their own website and they would be 
if you think about if you think about it, YouTube initially was solving a technical problem. It was quite mm. difficult to host video, provide the bandwidth for people to download. Well, I think, you know, yeah, in like early two thousands, bandwidth was that, expensive. That was huge. Yeah, exactly. You know, and and it cost successful chat, successful video producers like internet TV shows would suddenly face themselves with you know hundreds if not thousands of of pounds or dollars of of bandwidth bills and youtube basically came along and were like look you can host your videos on us for free and um, we'll sort out all of the encoding we'll make it so that there's all the right formats you know and everything works okay oh and also people are going to be able to you know potentially discover your content you know mm. once they sort of got going and became a bit of a platform it really did open up that market didn't it because like you mm. say at that point, it was either you were so small that you never got found, or if you did get, if you were big, or maybe you kind of got blew up, you went viral because some news outlet covered you or something. Then all of a sudden, you couldn't handle the costs of having to host all that content being downloaded suddenly. Right. So YouTube really did fill that gap, which is fantastic. And at first, it really was just about doing that as well. It was really just about hosting videos that people made, be it prof- not professional, but be it like created edited content so we pretty is a really good example because that was sort of a created show or whether it was just hosting your own home videos like because like the famously the first video on youtube was like that my day at the zoo or something wasn't it Um, and it's, it's just someone's home video that they wanted to share online and again this is sort of either pre or very early days facebook as well and like sharing videos between people in general was very difficult like yeah. it wasn't like kind of sharing a picture like just a low quality jpeg like even then it was still like you know 50 to 100 megabytes and that was a significant amount of bandwidth to be able to share between a friend absolutely you know? absolutely so this this really did sort of uh, fill that gap but as youtube grew and this is sort of where we're going with this it it kind of outgrew that initial idea and all and one of the things you put down here is is the mission statement of youtube and it does really fit in a way and it still does but they continue to outgrow it is give everyone a voice right yeah that's that's their mission statement and you can like you say like with those first videos you know being sort of home videos uploaded and it being about sharing videos with each other you can see where that mission statement comes from right like give everyone a voice and show that and show them the world um you know is sort of where YouTube still today feels like its mission and its goal as a business is. And I know like mission statements are a little bit sort of like eye rolly from businesses, but you have to think <laughs> that deep down, you know, and as part of YouTube and as part of YouTube's leadership, they will have thought about that mission statement and they will believe it and it will drive to some extent the direction the company goes. Definitely. You know, even if some of their actions don't necessarily seem to align with it. But as they've grown, because of this this massive success and the fact that they were one of the few platforms allowing it, that's when money kind of comes an issue, really, Mm. doesn't it always? So at first, there wasn't really any advertising on YouTube at all. And then there was a little bit. There was like platform, sorry, there was like banner ads and sort of like there would have been like text crawls and stuff like that. But there was no of what we have now where like you had a video's pre you know pre-roll or there wasn't sort of banners over the tops of things. Those things came later. Noticeably they came after Google purchased YouTube. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, once Google bought YouTube, you know, I think the ad running AdSense, you know, running text ads was one of the first things that they tried. Um, and they've sort of always you know, tried a whole bunch of different 
different things and different ways of advertising, you know, and actually the pre-roll type stuff that we have now is just really, you know, one iteration of that. And also mid-roll, right? You have like long YouTube videos now have a sort of advert in the middle and stuff like that as well. In typical Google fashion, they've refined the, you know, the advertising algorithm based on the huge amount of data that they can collect as that central source, you know, just knowledge about how people view ads and stuff like that is, you know, is, is, is immensely valuable. And you know that they have tuned that thing based on how people react to get the most advertising dollars out of you. And although it's coming across as a relatively negative thing, what we're discussing, because it has got some negative connotations to sort of that content creator niche that we're talking about. Mm. It's actually what enabled it to begin with. Like Mm. if it wasn't for them enabling advertisements on YouTube and then allowing the YouTube partner scheme to become a thing, you wouldn't be able to use YouTube to fund yourself to create the content you wanted because that is how people make the money on YouTube when they when they upload videos, isn't it? Yeah, exactly. The partner scheme is where you get a portion, basically, of the of the ad revenue, right, for your videos. Is that correct? Yeah. So for every so many clicks, I think it's measured per thousand clicks on your video, you get a certain amount of money from the ad that plays either before your video or like next to yep. your video or whatever, and then YouTube will take a cut of that as well. And this is what's allowed, and I love this thing. This is what allowed the idea of normalizing careers right yeah that's the that's the the line you use i love that because you now don't just have the small home videos on youtube or the giant sort of like you know brand deals which are on there like you know your your warner bros and your sony you now have the youtuber right Right. As, as kind of it is known these people that kind of create specific content for a specific group of people and they can now do this as a living because they they make money out of it. And that's great because it means that going back to what we discussed at the beginning of the episode of we now the viewers have more of a say of what content they want to watch by supporting and watching the content they really enjoy. Yeah, absolutely. The problem then comes, of course, and, and you know, and if you if you followed along with anything that's been go- that's going on with YouTube in general, is that balance now of advertising revenue and what advertisers want, and what your your video watchers want, and also what your video creators want, like because they are all kind of a little bit against each other, and they all have different mm. needs and desires. Um, and and balancing those as YouTube has proved tremendously difficult because the problem is is that then you're dependent on your content creators you know because otherwise you don't have any videos for people to advertise on you're dependent on your advertisers because they're the ones that are going to pay some money and you're dependent on the people watching the videos because they're the ones that the advertisers are going to pay to have the eyeballs of yeah as much as i know youtube gets a lot of flack as it should you know it, it should be held accountable for as a large business for any decisions it makes you know i don't envy them that task of balancing those things no and there was also a lot of kind of controversy like last year and the year beforehand with a lot of very unsavory videos having advertisements rolled for brands that really do not want to be associated with that kind of video. Exactly. And that sort of, I think that was very much the trigger incident for YouTube to really kind of stamp down on this. Yeah. And unfortunately, that has negatively impacted the kind of the middle ground content creator the, the, the most. Mm. Like your small home videos that don't really make any money anyway, or don't have the aim to make any money anyway, don't really get affected in the slightest and your giant channels both your brand channels like your you know your music videos or your your you know your movie channels whatever they aren't affected either because you know for a fact that those are 
tailor created, right? There's a, there is a person sat at a desk making sure the advertisements on that particular product are correct, right? Yeah. Because they look at those videos and make sure that they're okay. But it's the middle ground where it's all the content creators making kind of unique, interesting things. They now have to be kind of policed almost yeah. to make sure that that content is appropriate. And if not, the advertisers aren't going to come. And if the advertisers don't come, YouTube have no need for them in the first place. So it's a really difficult balance, unfortunately. But it's a yeah. balance that they've maybe been a bit heavy-handed with and things have gotten left by the wayside as a result. Yeah, and it and it goes against their mission, right? Going back to that statement, give everyone a voice. You know, now you're really struggling with that because you're, you know, it's give everyone a voice so long as they make us advertising revenue. It's sort of, you know, that starts to get a little bit a little bit challenging. And I think that it also, like you say, that middle ground is not being handled necessarily by a person. A lot of it is being handled by algorithms because of the of the scale. Like we said, like, you know, 180 million hours of YouTube is watched every day. You know, there's 2 billion people logging in every month. Like, that's, that's a lot. Like, <laughs> And the other really upsetting thing for me is original content that has been finely crafted something that almost art in essentially like um kind of music videos but i'm not talking about like you know big music labels i'm talking about independent creators um animation is another good example of this uh you know short films um kind of like short documentaries all of these things they take a lot of time to make mm. but they're relatively short as well and they aren't what make youtube money unfortunately so although they're the kind of things we want to see like we want to see like another really cool video from our favorite music group on on YouTube or like a really great kind of skit show or something. They're not profitable because you can't make the money because YouTube pays out per sorry YouTube pays out for time watched rather than clicks now, right? Yeah. So the longer your videos are, the better, and then the more videos you post, the better. Which is what's encouraged this sort of like constant growth of sort of the the 10 15 minute plus videos every single day of much the same content because the subscribers keep coming back they keep watching it and it gets the generation of the of the advertisement mm. and it's a little it's getting very dull and, and it's very difficult for the interesting creators the people that want to make this unique artistic work to be able to fund themselves to do this because although it's great that YouTube allows them to make any money whatsoever because they could just do nothing they they could just charge for the service of putting your their videos on your videos on their site but they don't but it's still it's becoming so difficult now for make that content viable on YouTube what i really lo- like from an outside point of view and from a technical point of view as a developer is i, I really love that concept of YouTube changing things in their in their sort of code and and in the and in their way that their algorithms work in the way that they reward payout and stuff like that versus the way people react and the way that content is then made like they can literally influence the length of YouTube mm. videos by tweaking their algorithm to reward certain things like like that sort of like I don't know, that just really fascinates me that they can... It's incredibly powerful. Yeah, like, like they can drive that. A person at a computer who can change code basically decides what cultural content gets created. And the internet is its own culture, you know, mm. and it's very varying amounts of uh, of cultures within it. But that's amazing that a, a couple of clicks and changes to a, to a code base has so much power over right. what people see and consume. So... So we've sort of established, you know, now like YouTube is really 
it's a difficult balance for YouTube to do. And actually, when you look at some of the numbers around the sort of the largest channels, the most popular videos on YouTube, apart from PewDiePie, most videos on YouTube that are actually popular are big brands. And actually, most Mm. of it is music videos. And I didn't realize this until doing the research for the episode, because this is an example of like minority versus majority, you know, sort of vocal minority versus silent majority the orders of magnitude of how popular music videos are on YouTube and how dominating they are on YouTube in terms of views, and thus we can only assume revenue, is like just staggering compared to like content creators and people actually making content essentially for YouTube and, you know, sort of the more, what we would consider the more traditional sort of content creation on YouTube. So with that being the state of things on YouTube we've sort of seen this this rise of a kind of like something that satisfies and 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 satisfies a need for content creators on a more linear level like rather than having to like make it and be amazing and be you know up there in the in the millions or the hundreds of thousands in terms of subscribers and views and so on there's sort of like a linear reward option as well right and that is you know crowdfunding or or sort of like subscription-based services like Mm. patreon right so so patreon's kind of the big one Mm. but there are a lot of other companies doing a very similar thing yeah and it's sort of similar to going back to early internet days where you would say paypal someone some money for something absolutely but it's it's exactly that it's a service that allows you to kind of pay for content that you want to consume directly and you get a higher say on what gets created And I think that this is such a perfect complement to the YouTube system that it's 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 brilliant. The 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 guys that came up with this was a group of uh, there's two of them, the partnership. It was originally all about their music they wanted to make, you know, and they had like ten thousand plus subscribers, and they were doing okay, but they wanted to make this something that they really wanted to focus on. They really wanted to have this be their passion, but it wasn't viable from a monetary point of view. So they set up the ability for people to kind of come to their website you know, say we will donate X amount of money per month or per video created, which is is how it works, for you to make what we want you to make. And that created the Patreon sort of uh, platform, as it were, you know, the the patronage style platform that a lot of these mid-sized content creators are now so reliant on. Mm. It's it's funny, actually, as an aside that you mentioned that it's like, oh, it's kind of like PayPaling people. YouTube was actually founded by some ex-PayPal people, which is really interesting. Um, But yeah, like it's, as you say, it's sort of, it is really a direct response to some of these issues around YouTube and some of the sort of like being lost in the in the algorithm, you know, or, or being not served by the algorithm of YouTube. And it's sort of Patreon is a, is a very human and very direct directly connecting answer right instead of having an algorithm decide how much you get paid it's like people are deciding how much you get paid Mm. like very very directly and that doesn't really work for like a justin bieber music video no Um, but it works brilliantly for for content creators on the on the internet and i think that again this comes back to why we're talking about this because now this is becoming much more a part of our lives you know you mentioned that it's similar to paypal but also in some ways, Patreon and the fact that you're sort of the microtransactions, paying small amounts of money for things. We've talked about microtransactions before in, in the context mm. of video games. You know, we've got to this point where taking payment for things 
on a small scale and sort of online e-commerce and all of that kind of thing is so widely just accepted and the norm now that actually paying a content creator a couple of dollars a month is something that you can conceivably do and you can and from patreon's point of view they can scale that and make it work as a system whereas you know when youtube started that that's not a thing like you would not have been able to build a system that could handle sort of little tiny microtransactions of stuff all the time you know and paying out to content creators and all of that kind of thing like just managing all of that um is something that is directly really in response to you know the rise of sort of e-commerce and pet subscriptions for things and also social media plays a part as well right because social, because yeah. social media has brought down the barriers in terms of you feeling like you can connect with people that are making your content that you consume mm. and patreon is part of that you know i don't think you would have felt comfortable subscribing via patreon for something that for someone that you couldn't feel like you could communicate with or you were connected with, you know, you wouldn't do it for like an actor on a TV show because you wouldn't, you don't have that connection to them. They're sort of far, so far removed from you, but Patreon and social media and the internet as a whole just brings everyone a little bit closer. um, And so makes it feel more acceptable. It's such a massive contrast to sort of the previous generation's consumption of media, the idea of like paying for either a cable or a satellite subscription right. and you get like a hundred plus channels and you have zero say of what's on or zero say of what's going to go on it. Whereas now it's very much the opposite of the case of you tailor pick what you want so finely to the point where you can pay a dollar, you know, right. to one content creator because you really like what they do. And you can maybe do that five, ten times and you watch exactly what you want when you want. And if they don't make what you like, you don't pay them. And it's such a huge contrast. But it's it's the community thing uh, and sort of the social media thing is so key to this, in my opinion, because... Mm. It really requires the content creator to be very vocal about what they're going to create, what they want to do, maybe, and then ask the fans, what do you want me to do? Like, how do you want me to create my content? And then find a really lovely middle ground. And that's also how you get people to sort of like part with their money as well, because they feel part of a community, not just with the person making the content, but the other people around them that love this content as well. Yeah. You know, like I've noticed one of the perks a lot of the time for uh, either YouTube sponsorships, which we're going to come on to in a second, or like patreon patronage (laughs) is things like access to a discord server Hmm. like kind of modern day irc channels almost and that ability to feel part of a club i guess like part of this exclusive club definitely and it's it works it really really works and it allows these creators that want to make this kind of very time intensive but otherwise very unprofitable projects like the one that really really comes back to me a lot is animation like creating mm. good quality animation like kind of old new ground style animations i'm talking about and i'm not talking about like you know cartoons or anime it just wouldn't be viable without this sort of platform for people to support the creators outright unless that person then proceeded to go to a big traditional media company and sell them their content sort of thing you know yeah absolutely and like you said earlier and like i said when we were talking about this before and it's a quote from a from an article about patreon you know it's it's actually an article in the new york times that says how the internet is saving culture not killing it and it says you know this this quote like patreon is normalizing careers like it turns things that wouldn't traditionally be careers into careers and there's a whole episode there and we talked about sort of splitting this episode up so we don't you know we can we'll sort of come back to youtube a little bit because there's a whole episode there really around the sort of the economics of of patreon and how it's sort of changing 
you know, a lot of things around how people make money and the things that people can make money doing and how that sort of affects culture as a whole yet and how that then affects the larger companies like YouTube as well. But sort of going back a little bit to YouTube, because, you know, like we said before, they, their mission, give everyone a voice, right? But now we're looking at something like Patreon and it's like, well, they're giving people a voice because they're giving them the money to have their voice essentially, right? Mm. Absolutely. And it's not like YouTube haven't noticed this either. No. Okay. This is this is a very well known thing. Patreon's not a small service anymore. Like I they've bought out and partnered with a lot of other similar services, like member and subable and other similar kind of services like that. And they're now introducing other aspects. So it's not just about video content creation, it's also about sort of like actual product creation too. Almost like a mini Kickstarter or Indiegogo style yeah. where you pay people to make things for you physically rather than digital content. So YouTube want to try and get in on this because, you know, that's a lot of money there, which is ironic considering the fact that it was created because YouTube didn't want to get on it in the first place. <laughs> and they're trying to incorporate that sort of system into their own systems as well with the idea of things like YouTube Premium or Red as it previously was known as, which is sort of like the, the premium subscription service where you, you pay so much money per month to get access to certain perks. The sponsorships where you can sort of like buy membership to a channel so you give them so much money, like I think it's like five dollars, is it, in the moment? Yeah, uh, a month, and then that kind of contributes towards that channel's growth. And all these things are fine, but the issue that I had, and this is something that we discussed earlier, is I don't want YouTube to become the competitor, or rather, I don't want them to try and put Patreon out of business. Because let's face it, if they wanted to, they could. They could just throw all the money in the world at them because they're like ridiculously wealthy and make them go away and take all that business but i don't think that's a good idea i really don't i think they need to embrace the patreon style of doing things where it is more personal it is leaving purchasers and creators with a voice rather than it being encompassed into one giant algorithm which is essentially Mm. what youtube is in most cases you know yeah agreed and i think that you know, we are, like you say, we are starting to see this, but at the moment, things like YouTube channel memberships, um, you know, they still require you to, to have pretty hefty numbers to even get in on that. You mm. know, whereas Patreon is very linear. You know, if you've got one Patreon giving you $2, then you get the $2. Like, you can do it. With YouTube channel memberships at the moment, you need 100,000 subscribers to even, like, have yeah. that switched on where you can sort of ask people to subscribe $5 a month. And, you know, and yes, it's only one tier and Patreon is multiple tiers and, you know, all of that kind of thing. Like in some ways, the YouTube channel membership process is is good because it's just a subscription and Patreon, you know, can um, sort of reward really high pressure engagement in that, mm. you know, if you've got a bunch of different reward tiers, because on Patreon, you can have like you know support me one dollar and i'll do this support me two dollars and i'll do this support me yeah. you know give me a hundred dollars and i'll have a video call with you once a month or something like that yeah. like I've, i i know there's a musician that i i don't um subscribe on their you know i don't patron patron patronage them patronize Patron? yeah i don't know yeah i don't know what the word I'm is not that. The patron of i don't do it but i noticed that like that's quite a common thing like they have it like where sort of like if you pay them x amount a month then you know as well as all the other stuff you also get you know they'll send you a voice you know they'll have a voice chat with you like once a month or whatever that's quite high demand on oh, someone very much. you know on a content creator for that money you know there's sort of now you're almost too connected right <laughs> like and now it's like you're you know you're at the whim of your fans to some extent 
And it's really interesting because Patreon allows sort of these smaller channels, and I'm specifically talking about YouTube channels here, to grow bigger and become more self-reliant. But then after a point, you get so big that Patreon doesn't support you enough anymore, if almost that makes sense. So you'll then have to go back to the traditional YouTube model. Right, exactly. (laughs) Relying on advertisements. But then you can't really just say, right, I'm done with you patrons, because then you will lose so many of your viewers because people will be so shunned, you know? Yeah. So it's really difficult to try and manage that balance. Yeah. And I think that part of the reason why YouTube is limiting some of their offerings to, to the high numbers is because they are still suffering with that that growth and with the fact that they are so big you know they have some challenging issues you know around abuse and around people gaming the system and around you know their responsibility as as part of society you know i love that there's a whole wikipedia page called social impact of youtube like Mm. just an entire thing about it you know and so that's a lot for for a company to you know handle and no wonder they you know make mistakes and have problems so it doesn't surprise me that they sort of they don't want to do that linear stuff because they need to like gatekeep some of their some of the stuff that they're doing yeah. for the sake of themselves as a company you know at the end of the day as much as patreon is now a big thing they're still an order of magnitude below youtube as a company oh definitely it's it's really interesting and a bit scary because you don't want this style of content creation to go away, but you can also see from YouTube's point of view why they don't really want to encourage it too much and why they want to kind of like relax and rest on the, yeah. the big money from the traditional big companies because it's so much safer. But the thing is, is that to counter that and, you know, not to sort of argue with ourselves, but that long tail of content creators, the sort of small, small time, you know, mid-level or whatever, like... I don't have figures for it because obviously it's like this is YouTube's world and they have they're the ones with their own statistics. But hmm. generally, in in other cases, and I've got a I've got a quote um, around book selling, right, where that long tail of like not the most popular videos or most popular channels, but everything else actually adds up to be as significant as your top you know, as your top percentage, because it is such a long tail. And that's the case with books or traditionally was like a bookstore versus Amazon, like Amazon, if you if a bookstore has or, you know, a book company, Barnes and Noble or whatever, has like 130,000 books for sale, Amazon gets more book sales out of all of the books after their top 130,000 you know, combined versus yeah. that top 130,000, like, if that makes sense. No, it does. Absolutely. And and YouTube must be seeing that as well. And they must be, and they must know that they're the ones with these figures. They can see that that's the case. I'm almost certain it is the case. And that's why we see them still trying this all the time, like with Red, with Premium, with Channel Membership. Like that, I think they're trying to do it because they know there is an untapped market there. And Patreon is just the tip of the iceberg of what that could be. But it's just such a challenge, you know? Yeah, very much so. It's an exciting time because there's such a shift in media consumption Mm. now, not just on YouTube, but in traditional media as well, like people shifting away from regular kind of TV services for things like Netflix, which is a whole other episode on its own. (laughs) And this is, like you say, this is the tip of the iceberg. This is the beginning of a new era of content. Absolutely. A new era of consumption of content. So it'll be really interesting to see where the big established player of YouTube goes from here and if they fail what's going to happen if they do and you know is there another kind of platform that's going to rise out of that to create because mm. you've already seen 
hints of that with something like Patreon because that came about as because of the failure of the big player of YouTube. Absolutely. You know? You know, so, as much as they have a challenge, you know, if they don't move fast enough, they will. It, it, it just as quickly as it comes, and they can become a huge company. You know, it can still, it can still go away. It can still be taken away from yeah. them. And I think that what isn't going to go away, and to sort of reiterate your point about it being, you know, an exciting time, is that, you know, these people, these content creators, and these sort of small, you know, creators, and sort of very niche microcosms of society their platform as much as youtube may make mistakes and patreon make mistakes as well and all of these services make mistakes and and screw over their their users fundamentally we're at a position now where the internet has has and will continue to support those people it's never going to go back to the way it was before where it's only sky you know as much as youtube is big these these content creators aren't going to go away now because they are genuinely making careers out of some of this stuff that previously they wouldn't have they just wouldn't have been able to and that's not going to go away because that's literally their livelihood now they they can devote a hundred percent of their time to making it happen (laughs) yeah and more and more traditional companies want a piece of the pie so they could go there or they could just say no i'm going to do it myself and make their own companies much like patreon starts in the first place so this is not something that's going to go away and you can't just kind of ignore and let kind of like subside into obscurity if you don't keep up with the ball you're gonna get left behind so it'll be really interesting to see specifically what youtube do here like i want them to work with patreon rather than put outright purchase them or just put them out of business i want it to be a continued symbiotic relationship between the two of them because one relies on the other absolutely and vice versa but we'll see i mean i think it's really interesting to maybe we'll do a follow-up episode in like a few years time you know we'll say (laughs) what has happened yeah i mean i wouldn't be surprised it wouldn't surprise me if YouTube bought Patreon or if they very closely partnered with them or mm. if it's not YouTube, it could be someone else. It could be Amazon. Like it could yeah. be, you know, it could be Facebook or Netflix even that have, you know, reasonably chunky. They have the technical infrastructure to do video like YouTube. That's no longer, you know, mm. thinking back to where we started, right? And we we talked about where YouTube was born and it was born out of the problem, the technical problem of hosting and serving videos. That is not a technical problem for a lot of no. companies anymore, you know, and so there are other companies that can offer that and could closely partner with Patreon and pull, you know, 50% of Patreon artists, so to speak, make YouTube videos. They could be making videos on another service if yeah. it was if it was very well if it catered to their fans right we just talked about how patreon is all you know is is very closely connecting fans to content creators and sort of like making it a you know a very close relationship you know so if it benefited their fans to make videos that go on amazon video <laughs> instead of youtube i don't know I mean, YouTube's never going to go away, let's be honest. No. It's now just too big, right? And it's got the money behind of it, of Google and Alphabet behind it. But that doesn't mean that it could lose such a giant chunk of its audience yeah. if you lose these middle ground people. Exactly. Like ourselves. Like, if, if you told me that, like, 50 plus percent of my content, cre- uh, you know, of my channels that I watch on YouTube are going to move over to, say, the Netflix equivalent of YouTube, right? Yeah. Which is then the Patreon side of things, too then yeah, I'm going to jump ship. Yeah. Or at least I'm going to use both services. So they, they've they got to... Someone's going to have to make this move, I think, uh, of making the next step. And it'd be interesting to see what that is. Absolutely. 
And yeah, this is, you know, as as we said when we started, not necessarily a sort of standard episode for us, um, but sort of something that we're very interested in talking about and observing. Um, and sort of it'd be interesting to hear your thoughts as well. You know, this is something I think we're going to follow up with another episode about sort of the economics of Patreon as well a little mm. bit, which is very interesting. There's not a lot of research yet being done really on what the economics of Patreon is and what how that's affecting the world essentially you know crowdfunding yeah. as well you know as a whole micro payments yeah, yeah and things like kickstarter and stuff like that you know we're still in a very reactive phase with those kinds of services at the moment you know and, and even down to laws and legality um so that's definitely an interesting follow-up episode um so if you've been interested in this one then check out that when it comes out. Um, and if you've got any other thoughts around this or, or opinions as well about the stuff that yeah. we've talked about. Or some expertise in it. Absolutely. You know, one thing that we're completely missing from this episode is a, you know, YouTuber, <laughs> which I think we missed a trick a little bit there. But, you know, there's, mm-hmm. there's, you know, but there's only so much we can do, guys. So, you know, if you are a YouTuber experiencing some of these changes firsthand, then it would be great to talk to you. Either way, get in touch. Um, Mm, yeah definitely it's been a really interesting episode to discuss and definitely look out for similar content in future um so yeah email us show at octal.fm tweet us at octal fm i nearly said tweet us at twitter (laughs) it's like no that's that's (laughs) not us yeah you need to do that uh facebook facebook.com forward slash octal fm that's about it i have been gelada and i've been sefran and catch us again for another episode of octal fm very soon You're at MN, MNC, what was it? MNSBC. MSNBC. Yeah, like all that kind of stuff. And today we wanted to discuss something that we both participate in regularly, uh, but maybe something that we've not really touched on before, and that is online That's content. So, that sounded so... <laughs> something we participate in regularly. <laughs> but haven't really talked about that much. Well, we haven't. It's something that's part of our daily lives, right? It's just like, what are we about to start talking about? you the one that went there with that, not me. <laughs> fine, fine. We'll do it differently. We won't use that. I tell you, the professionalism, I tell, it's just not there.